Good evening, and welcome in to the final episode of JC and the Bull, Game of Thrones edition. And podcast, maybe finale as well. Will this that's, be our last JC and the Bull podcast? We started at WMUC Radio 10 years ago, and well, now today... first to introduce you to our next podcast, <laughs> The Bull and JC. But it's late night on a Sunday, and we're getting straight to the podcast, the series finale of Game of Thrones... A six-episode series culminating tonight. This is over a decade's worth of TV. Hours and hours and days' worth of television now that we need to break down. And let me be the first to introduce this episode by saying one word, underwhelming. Yeah. It was lame. This is a show— I almost want to talk about Survivor. That, <laughs> Should we talk about Edge was, of Extinction? That, that was a riveting finish <laughs> that you can't replicate. To have an immunity idol <laughs> and have a guaranteed spot in the final three for the final jury and to say, no, I know my competitor is going to beat me, so I need to make sure he doesn't get to the final three. I'm going to lay down my immunity so, idol. Yeah. I'm going to lay it down, give it to someone else, and I'm going to beat this person <laughs> in a fire contest. This is me, world. This is <laughs> me. I bleed blood just like the rest of you. No, and that, Jeff, obviously a co-producer, yeah. knows that a way to end a show that could otherwise be predictable is to add a twist, add some drama, some sacrifice. The only way he would win is if he sacrificed yeah. his sh- short shot in the final three. What what lacked in Game of Thrones is that blindside. That um, there was one big blindside that we were going to talk about. It was a, it, it, it was a good scene, but if you don't follow that with any drama, oh, and if you yeah. don't add the politics, snooze fest. It was an how and, and we we do we do, we try not to dwell on each episode. We always say let's 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 surmise the series as a, as a whole season. This dampers the whole show, which which is which I'm not. You know me. I don't rush to conclusions, no, but I've been thinking about this for for, weeks. for as long as Tyrion's been thinking about right. Brandon, Brandon and Tyrion, the Broken. I, me and Brandon the Broken are on the same political campaign. It's a cool name. It it it, it was a great show that was t- that t- when it tailed off. When it was just in the hands of Benny Hoff and Weiss, has dumb, kind of, dumb and dumber. <laughs> you might as well have had Harry and Lloyd finish the series because it would have been more dramatic. Um, it was shortened, which I, I, we talked about a lot. I'm not even getting to it, but that took away from the plot lines and the amount that we love these characters. It failed in the evolution of these characters to where to where the directors wanted them to be at the show's conclusion because Arya is not the same character that we saw at the beginning of this season. Um, and then it's just kind of a, what, it's a kind of a, it's just a let down finale for all of our favorite characters that Arya is outdoing what? It, it's cool to see Sansa. She's starting colonialism. She's going to yeah. go explore and take other people's land, basically. Right. It's like, oh, cool. She's Christopher Columbus. That's how we wanted to end Arya's storyline. Like, it was it was a cool ending for Jon to go back to the wall, and we're going to get to we're Ghost later. And, 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 and Sansa. And we're going to do a lot of, we're going to get to this later. But, I, well, we're not going to do I, listen, I listened to we're last gonna, episode. If we say that, we're never going to get to I cringed. It. But the biggest... Uh, how many times we say that? The biggest slip. So let's... Let's, let's do the aftermath. What, where are we going? The biggest slip up is Bran's, Bran being anointed king in that fashion, that quickly, without any objections from any of these people from all across Westeros, everyone just kind of shrugs their shoulders like, cool. Well, Sansa didn't like it, but yeah. Sansa didn't like it. But you just fast-forwarded to the middle of our show, so what do you want to do? So so our listeners know, 
Maya mentality going into this episode. Let's do the aftermath of the war. So to sort of start, you kind of have a haunting walkthrough. There was, a you know, for an 80-minute show, it's like they didn't have enough to say. So they had, like, all these scenes of John and Dan, uh, John and um, Tyrion walking, of Brienne writing. Like, a lot of scenes that nothing really was going on. It was like they were trying to run out the clock. It's like, oh, you don't have enough content? There's not enough things to show? But yeah, so the aftermath of the war, you know, it's super interesting because last episode we talked a ton about Danny's turn, obviously, and we, and we wanted to know. Nice catching yourself. I didn't say we were going to get to that. We <laughs> we wanted to know how John and Tyrion would react to basically finding out that you, the person you loved, was Hitler. And like last episode, I think I was kind of almost too dismissive because like I'm not in love with Daenerys, so I was like, all right, she killed as many kids as she can. That's a game over for me. I'm not going to stick around and reason with her. I'm going to plot against her. And but then seeing it play out, I actually think like the first part of the episode was strong. They did a good job showing like Tyrion and John. Tyrion less conflicted, but like basically Tyrion wanted to tell her off to her face and not like shy away. And then John was conflicted. You know, he saw the atrocities that she had, but then also remembers all the things he loves about her. And like part of him wants to go back to that, but ultimately he can't. I Tyrion was convinced from from the moment that the bells rang and she went. So that was done, and then seeing ja- seeing Jamie and Cersei in the pile of of rubble that that Drogon created, I think like put him over the top. Where it was he made a public you know a public display of throwing the the hand of the queen pin. Um, so you, it was kind of surprising that he didn't die, but I think. Well, that like was foolish enough to go back there because he obviously put his life in danger. But both him and John, I think, were kind of fine I think with their fates being she done. Was willing to kill all those innocent people and children, she would have no hold up about ki- killing any of them. But my point is that then they just went and stood next to her. If they really wanted to save their life, they wouldn't have gone back to her. But I think they wanted to face her. And John obviously had a different reason. But Tyrion wanted to face her. We would we could potentially be like, oh, that's a pretty Ned Stark dumb thing to do. Right. You don't need to throw. You don't need and to I, do this dramatic thing. Ned Stark when we talk about John. But Tyrion, you know, risked his life, and was it worth it? Telling her off, I don't know. But he had to do it, and it just showed that they were they were invested in her, right? So there was like uh, they put in all the time and the labor and the love. For her, and then to see her, you know, turn into a genocidal mass murderer, war criminal, they were conflicted, but they didn't just leave. They didn't just bail. Even Arya didn't just bail. So they wanted to see it out, and that, that was interesting. Act. Yeah. Yeah, I think Tyrion was on the same thing as you, where you kind of gave her the benefit of the doubt until she acted yeah. in this. And Tyrion was the same way, but like once she acted, it was like, it was all over. Yeah. There was no coming back from it. And Tyrion was willing to give up his life to at least stand up for what he believed in and maybe warn John, warn as many people as he could of what they were signing up for with Daenerys as, as the queen of the realm. And at first, John doesn't want to fully believe the reality, right? right? He right. he wants to believe that it could still work out, that they could still move on. And then, but he always knew. You know, that's like when you're trying to explain. Yourself, yeah, yeah. You're trying to say this is the, this is the queen that we bought into. This yeah. is who we fought for, and, and some now cost. Got it. Yeah. And now it's you know when you when you start saying it out loud, you're saying, wait a minute, hold up here, and let's get into that. Tyrion and John have this conversation when Tyrion is locked up, and they're it's 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 now that John is in the Tyrion role where Varys is trying to convince Tyrion that she might not be the best best fit to rule, 
And Tyrion is saying, no, I, I don't you need, you need to believe in something. I believe in Daenerys. John was saying that but, to Tyrion. And this, and this one now, yeah. is, now it's John trying to convince Tyrion, like, hey, let's live. Let's just serve. And Tyrion made the great point of being blinded by love. So we actually get, you know, the conclusion that Tyrion was, in fact, in love with her, which was hinted at when they are first sailing to Winterfell and John and Danny, you know, close the door behind them and they enter the chambers. Which is nice because that would explain some of Tyrion's blind loyalty to some of her actions. That he loved her and just wanted to believe in her. Because the way he looked at it, she was better for the realm than Cersei was. Because he knows what evil Cersei brings. Whereas Danny again, did not act. He was, and he loved her, which gave him, you know, gave her the benefit of the doubt with him. Now, John is still in love with her. But saying these things, he, I was slowly convinced again... And Tyrion made these great points about how she acts like she she murders people at each turn. And even though they're important people, right, like the, the slave masters or the people of, of Marine or, or wherever or the, the Dothraki, you know, they, these are still people, people's lives being murdered. And she's saying that she's liberating them, but they're following her right now. And I thought that was an interesting way to look at it as well. Which is we were all rooting for Danny at each turn over there. We were all saying like, yes, yeah, she is doing the right thing. And I don't think it was ever up for debate at those points in the show. And the show did a great job at those points in us putting our faith in Danny. But the way Tyrion laid it out with that context there, it did start to scratch your head like, whoa, there was another way to view these these different liberation things that we that we praised her for previously. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think it was very clearly like Tyrion was talking to the audience there. It was like it was like yeah, that's what Tyrion's been saying, but it's also what the audience has been saying about her, right? It's like she did this, but these were evil men, and we explained away the words that she had and maybe her deeper motivations Would because she, because she was killing people we didn't like. And now, but what we saw, and you know, it's interesting. You know, it's like power. It was less that. After seeing this episode, I really do think it was less... I almost... It made me like last episode more because this episode made it seem where it wasn't just Danny went crazy or Danny went insane. It made it seem more like, no, power corrupted her. She did not want to let go. She didn't... you know, And John was like the last straw of John's family and that, and that threat. And she wanted to prove that she was the... The leader, right? She was the one, and then it's it's been a progression of like I'm killing my enemies, and and then it progresses and devolves into like everyone's an enemy, even this child in my way, right? So that she talks about how mercy she wasn't going to let mercy get in the way of her victory, and all the yeah, all the fate. And now this was mostly this season; they're really hitting this hard. But like the talk of liberation, the talk of destiny, the talk of fate, the talk of removing the tyrants. Where really you're now the tyrant. Like that is all like very you know, similar and like reminds you of like these tyrannical dictators, right? Or even like like a cult leader, right? The way she was talking that her, that her, that her power was, you know, it, it was inherently all her right, right? It necessitated itself. It was essential for her to be the one leader. So that almost made it all make sense to me more. It wasn't like they were saying, oh, she's a crazy Targaryen. It was more like the power corrupted her. She wanted power and everything she did made sense for her. It didn't maybe make sense for us and like what we thought of Daenerys, but this new view of Daenerys, it does make sense that she would burn the city and kill as many people as you want because then there's no question that she's not the queen. Right. If if she wins easy last time and it's basically a peace peacetime, then they could be like, oh, 
maybe it should be John, but she did a power grab, and so it made more sense, and and it ultimately led to a f- tragic fall. She's the bully on the block. Yeah. Now, while Tyrion and John are having this discussion, John, and the, the parallels are obvious, but it sounded a lot like Ned, this blind loyalty, like. No, she is. She's not just my queen. She's our queen. She's everyone's queen. Like she's Sansa's queen. She'll have to, you know, adhere to her. And Arya will. And Tyrion's like Tyrion is finally back to normal Tyrion, where he's rational and looking things through through a normal through a lens that we can all sympathize with. Whereas Jon is kind of flashing the signs of Ned, where it's like, are you just gonna blindly loyal be blindly loyal to to a queen because you you pledged an oath to her? Because that doesn't make sense. So when he you're comparing them to what Ned with Robert, like like or just Ned, blind like Ned, loyalty, like Ned, like Ned to any oath that he would ever oh, gotcha, take, like gotcha. Ned, if if Ned created an oath, he would never break it. Gotcha. The only unethical thing Ned has ever done is with the birth of John and lying. But you would say that was there was a greater there was a there was a greater pledge that he made to his family so that, that was we just don't learn so about. So that was ethical later. still, but yeah, keep right. going. Yeah. So John. As he approaches Danny, you know, you think that he's about to like, you know, he's, he's yelling at first, right? He's very emotional, which is kind of a strange disposition to be in considering his conversation with Tyrion where he's kind of ex- defending Danny. Yeah, but he's like, and then he's yeah. angry again for what he saw with the Lannister soldiers, which obviously again shows this tyrannical ruler and Grey Worm's, you know, dark side, dark side of the moon with Grey Worm and is like the most lethal killer of all time. <laughs> But John is confronting it's, her. It's similar to, um, was it Two-Face in Batman? Is that what he's called? <laughs> Harvey Dent? <laughs> I don't know why I had it. Harvey. It's I know, I was a joker. But. Where's Harvey? Have you seen Harvey? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great... Exactly, right? Exactly. So we got... We exactly. Got Harvey, the Harvey. <laughs> hey. Um, so John goes from zero to 100 confronting Danny, yeah. which is kind of the emotional John that you want, the emotional guy who stands for fighting for the living and... Um, when he was the OG leader of the Night Watch, like we're doing for what's right, not for what's what used to be, and that's how he's confronting Danny, which you know got my blood pumping again. I, I like to see that side of John because that's the side of John that I rooted for the entire show. Then he kind of he caved again. Well, this this is the, this was one of the better sh- scenes in the show in this in the, this episode is that it looks like they're embracing and like it almost looks like. What? Like not that John is seeking power, but that he's letting that same thing that he spoke about with Tyrion let love triumphs all. That he does love Danny, and he's going to put aside all of her criminal actions just to just to be in love. And then we heard that we heard the, the knife yeah. coming out. I couldn't believe it. That was how that was they killed her. He pulled a uh, red woman move. He learned that from Melisandre, where you seduce someone, then you stick the knife in their heart. That's yeah. a Melisandre move. Yeah. Well. Yeah, the red woman. Yeah, that's all. It was. It was a good. It was, yeah, it was a, it good, was a good twist. twist. It was good. It was. It was a. It was a quick, less dramatic. It was dramatic, but it wasn't like you know we're going to be in an open field of battle and John is going to have to like kill Danny. It was more of a quiet death that maybe was a little bit you know it wasn't it wasn't obvious by any means the way John's emotions fluctuated back and forth back yeah. and forth. Ultimately, he did the right thing. So you still sort of see the shades of Ned. Where he's going to do what's right for the realm, and which is kind of John's 
mantra of, of this show. The reason we love John is he's just going to do what's best for the realm, even if it means his death or his exile, no matter what. Because we probably thought he might, you know, Gregor wanted him dead. Well, he wants his death. He, he again he doesn't stood care. there, but I, he does this all the time. He well, again yeah, what, stood there. Well, and, what is he going to do? But he could have ran before the dragon came up on him. <laughs> he was lingering, Fair. and then the dragon came, and he was so, ready to die again. So if you <laughs> have was. immediate thoughts on that, see, I have some issues... I have stuff about the burning of the Iron Throne. Okay, go. Let's go into that. And so the way, I, and I might be reading too much into it, but I don't think so. I I think the re- Wait, tuna. Be nice, my friend Joe. <laughs> the dragon burns the Iron Throne and not John because I think ultimately, I think Tyrion says this a few seasons ago when he's draw, uh, floating or sailing to Valyria with Sajor that dragons are smarter than people. Like because I was, I was pretty impressed during Daenerys' speech that Drogon knew the big line points to hit oh, yeah. <laughs> to emphasize. So that was a good hype man move. He's and like, then <laughs> he's like in Key and Peele, <laughs> yeah. Obama's anger yeah, later, yeah, like exactly. when, when Danny gets turned up. Drogon just like, like she's gonna get that money. She's gonna get that money. Um, so Drogon is Danny's anger trans. That, that's a great thing we just came up with here. Original. And it's TM. 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 That scene from that TV show is now TM. TM. Um, but what I liked about it was, I think what we were seeing there with the wisdom of the dragon is that the demise... I think I would say this Sunday, the wisdom of the dragon. The demise of Daenerys was not John's, was not John's doing. It was the Iron Throne. So like, like a tragic hero, Daenerys was corrupted by power. It's all she could see. She let it consume her. She became the thing that she claimed to be fighting against. And that is what led to her downfall, this pursuit of the Iron Throne, not of Jon. So then I saw it as like the dragon is going to burn this throne and then take Daenerys off and and hold the throne responsible, not Jon. Right. She was more focused on power and saying that she was going to break the wheel as opposed to just breaking the it. wheel without, yeah. Yeah, without taking on that role. So it was cool for for Drogon. If, if it's the final thing that we ever saw, it was the final scene of a dragon, yeah. you know, destroying the thing that obviously Aegon, Aegon's dragon was origi- was the one who ironed out the Iron Throne for lack of good verbiage there. Like, how would you say? Forge the Iron Throne. Um, so it was cool that a dragon would, would build it and then to end it and end this, you know, you would think I thought they were going to maybe take away these one person rule, ruling, yeah, we'll get which it. would have been better symbolism for getting rid of the Iron Throne. Agreed. That's but a great. We're about to get to that's that. a great critique. Yeah, thanks. I agree. But so here's, they think here's, I would have liked, and maybe you said dragons are smart. Some sort of a better interact. Like I guess like they didn't want Drogon to be harmful to John, and if they're going to you know eventually exile him, but. You know, then then fine, get just get him out of the show completely. But to take her away, I thought was kind of like odd, right? And then that means that John had to somewhat admit to Grey Worm what he did, his crime. I'm sure he did admit it. I'm sure he did. <laughs> he told he wrote it down and signed it. <laughs> yeah. I just kind of, I guess, for what's exciting about the show is that you know the dragons and and John riding Rhaegal for so for a portion of this season would have been. You know, if if John if the, if he would have bound the dragon to him, because like once your the dragon rider is is killed, they can latch on to another dragon rider, and John is the only other known dragon rider in the entire show. I I, I, I guess it wouldn't fit with the plot line for John to have a dragon now, and it's not like he was going to take action with it. But if he was to get out of King's Landing at that moment, would it not have made sense for him to climb on Drogon? But maybe Drogon rejected him. I don't know the, all the ins and outs of dragons. 
but it just seemed like they were just getting rid of Drogon and Danny altogether in a the quickest way possible. And like you said, they had plenty of time to kill in this episode where they were just walking through rubble. So why couldn't you had a, a better closeout of, of Drogon? I, I guess if I'm going to make a complaint. For sure. And then I think to transition to our next topic, I think you brought up a great point that I think we talk about a little more, is that if the symbolism there is that the destruction of the Iron Throne, Oss and Samuel Tarly were maybe hoping for something a little better, and they basically decide, uh, they go from, yeah, no, we don't want everyone to decide. We're going to compare people to... Um, dogs and horses. Meanwhile, you have like you have literally the most mediocre white dudes up there that you could possibly have, and a bunch of randos. It's like, oh, we forgot about these places. We're just going to put random actors up there without any explanation. Robin's hit puberty. Um, He's looking good. He's good. <clears throat> yeah, who's growing? You have you have the Prince of Dorne. Who has not been a part of the show yeah. at whatsoever? There's a lot of there was a randos. couple of characters that we have that are unrecognizable. You have um, Catelyn's nephew or or Catelyn's cousin, yeah, who is Sansa's uncle, who has been a prisoner of the phrase, you know, for the for the long part portion of this show, standing up and making a speech. You have Davos of House Seaworth, who is which is not a prestigious house and you have um you have Gendry Baratheon who three episodes ago was Gendry Rivers which is obviously we all know by now is the wrong name for him and they're sitting on this almost small council of leadership for all the Westeros it's it's like you don't want people that you have never seen of seen or heard of before now making the most important decision for the fate of the show and why are they there not because of merit but because of their birth status right so it's again it's buying into the system where if you're rich white and have uh, and are like have a f- powerful family then you're going to get a say but if you're not one of those things then you don't get a say and that's just disappointing but that might be the most realistic thing like people don't give up power unless you make them give up power and the show has never really spent any time besides maybe the high sparrow but he was doing it for his own self-righteous hypocritical reasons but without um protest and resistance from the from the people these powerful family lords aren't going to just willingly give up their power. So then, and it's funny because like Sam is saying, oh, it should be everyone. They make fun of that and then it goes from everyone to literally Tyrion just deciding, oh, I've been thinking about something, here it is. And I know people don't always like when I bring up sexism, but Arya kind of seems like she has a better story than Bran. Well, well, yeah, on that claim, if we're going to go by stories... Which is what Tyrion said he's doing it. (laughs) This this is what I I was pinching Allison because it annoyed me that Tyrion is supposed to be the wisest, craftiest person. Goes, let's go by stories. Well, if we're going to go by stories, there's there's two frontrunners. It's Jon and Sansa. Yeah. First of all... Oh, no, Arya. Arya just killed... Arya's running through... Oh, you just Third. ended the Night we're, King we're and literally... By, we're going by stories. But she saved humanity. It's not a she good story. That's she not a good a, story? Maybe a better resume, but we're going by stories. That's a story. So is it, I'm getting you on a And she's a issue. faceless human. She could put on right. different faces. Now... I think they're both... Sansa, they all, they all have good stories. experiences, um, having ruled Winterfell for this and what she's been through, and actually being a very successful ruler of in the North so far, made her a more qualified, I think. Here's here's the biggest letdown of the no, show. No, I would put John and Arya John, one two John as the story. Has been ruled, not that he wanted, he would have been anointed and he would have. Yeah, but Brand Brand didn't want it. 
Right. But you're right. John united John. people. He fell for it. You know, he, right. him and Arya, I think even better than Sansa, those two are the best stories. Okay. Brandon and the Broken, Br- Distant Force. I was about to get to that. Robin might be fourth. <laughs> Robin, <laughs> Robin and Robin the Moon Door. Story. Robin and the he Moon went, Door. Speaking of milking, and moon do- <laughs> milking, Moon Doors, and, and what do you mean? Mommy got, issues. He got, um, he got a hawk for his birthday present. <laughs> so he's got, a, he's got a crazy hawk. And a crazy stepdad. Here's one of the biggest letdowns of the show. Another, I have, I have so many because I just want to pause you for a second. I made a, I made a thing about Robin's crazy stepdad, Peter Baelish, and I feel like you could do something with like Peter trying to get his stepson. Robin, it's, it's Christmas Eve. (laughs) Guess what Uncle Peter's got? It's M and M's. Um, the the biggest (laughs) storyline. The biggest reveal. What's the biggest? Yeah, what do you got? Has been John's parenthood. Yeah. Since episode one, season one, us finding out John's identity, Daenerys being afraid of the world, Sansa telling Tyrion where who John is, is supposed to be. And I think for a while in the show, it was something that we all want, were we're anxious to finally see how how and when it gets revealed. And once it does get revealed, it's the biggest secret that no one wants to let get let out. So if you're talking about the best story, and this is supposed to be one of the most important storylines of the entire show and the book, right? And we're not book readers. We're just show watchers and podcasters. Then how does not that not get brought up while they're trying to decipher who the best person to rule Westeros is? How about the heir to the freaking Iron Throne... <laughs> Fire and Ice, who's sitting in a chamber because he just killed the most ruthless dictator before her reign could really get underway. I just think it's if it's so important, then it should have been brought up. And if it's not important, then why are we wondering about it from the first episode of this series all the way until last episode about Daenerys being PO'd that Sansa is telling Tyrion, who's telling Varys, and they're all trying to find ways to place Jon on the Iron Throne. It is a letdown by these... I dare Benny Hoff and Weiss to give me a phone call because they let down one of the more central themes of this entire show in a crucial moment where Tyrion slept on an idea and then immediately made Bran the king. And I also have a problem with that, but I want to let you speak. I think that's a great point. Thank you. I think it's also funny where like Bran undercover was power hungry the whole time right. where he's, oh, I've actually just came for, this is why I came right. to be this leader. Like what, what is your deal? So here's my yeah. issue is that what, when, when everyone is kind of getting introduced to oh, the I quote unquote sure. new Bran, it's like when Tyrion says, you're going to be the, 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 the head of Winterfell. And he's like, I don't want lands. Mm-hmm. I don't have titles. <laughs> well, great. You're a historian and you're the Three-Eyed Raven, and that's obviously a pivotal role in the show, as we saw in the Battle of the Living versus the Dead. But the second someone proposes that you should be in charge of Westeros, you don't hesitate to jump on that. And I'm sorry that we all have seen on Twitter, we're all not blind, that Bran has been the favorite for the Iron Throne for a good portion of this series, right? We've all seen it. You would think that there's some sort of more intriguing storyline that leads to it as opposed to Tyrion suggesting and everyone alright <laughs> okay brand for life that is stupid and it's and it's dis- disappointing that they can't even deliberate on it or th- throw out other candidates or talk about the pros and cons or Bran rejected at first more and then it's like Bran accepts it and then Tyrion instantly okay well I don't deserve to be hand okay but I got it <laughs> It was it was a huge letdown. That that's even if 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 that's the way that John and Daenerys would end, 
I'm okay with that. It doesn't have to be the most exciting battle scene or, you know, armies involved. I actually liked it. But for them to do the the governing like that, I thought this a show that's all about quick wit and blind sides and, and nuanced ideas for them to go to one leader, a male, and it wasn't even nine people agreed on it. It was it was it was Tyrion suggested it, and then Sansa wants to declare for the North to be independent. Well, of course, Sansa's not going to go along. Everyone else wants to, but Sansa's right. like Sansa wants to be queen. Right. I, mean, yeah, she always I, I just think that like Bran. And maybe he's a, the right ruler, but – and it's not even that. It's like he doesn't have the best story. He does not have the best story in my opinion. And let's talk about his wisdom, supposed wisdom that we're supposed to assume is true because some guy in a tree told us it would be. Um, Bran – and this goes back to you're talking about John's parentage being so important and then the show writers forgetting that it was important. The only thing that – John's parentage actually did, and this is Bran's fault, was make it be known to the public or to the main people of the show, and that just basically sets Daenerys off, crystallizes in her mind that she needs to do something extreme to solidify her rule and her power and kind of quell any uprisings or murmurs of someone else taking it. And then she goes and kills thousands and thousands of children and women and men and innocent people so like Bran was that your vision when you told John and you wanted John to tell or told John that he could tell Sansa and Arya because all that did was lead to Daenerys committing the greatest war crime and genocide in the show's history so does Bran have to be held accountable for that at all and again, it's like the show writers, that's all that, that, that was the point of John being a Targaryen this entire time. Uh, the, what's the name of the book? That oh, Sam and, yeah. Fire and Ice. All this symbolism that you, that we've all been talking about forever, it's just to get Daenerys to kill a bunch of kids. That kind of seems weird. And I don't think that's what George R. R. Martin <laughs> envisioned no. when he gave the Dumb and Dumber, these two guys, the test about who's John's parents. They get it right. They get the show. And it's basically just a tool to turn Daenerys into a genocidal war criminal. It seems weird to me. You, but cool. But nice job, Brand. You've been wearing two pairs of gloves <laughs> this whole time. No, riddle me this. First, agree that as I know, you still might object. John is the prince who was promised for, or if there is the fa- if there is that prophecy, it is John because of his parentage, right? That's the idea, right? I think it's Arya because she defeated the Night King, but yeah, but she, but she wasn't, but she but she wasn't because she her her mom was Catelyn and her dad was Ned. I don't think anyone's arguing that Ned's. But we don't mom. know what the specifics of right. the prince's they, they promise in that thing. Regard, but contrast. If if John is supposed if John is supposed to be the prince who was promised, the way Arya killed the Night King, compared to the way John killed Daenerys, like Arya's was way cooler, way more riveting, and like felt like Arya's was way bigger in that moment, right on the verge of extinction, right. Whereas John. Yeah, let's just say John John was, the edge was necking with maybe Danny. the edge of extinction. The edge of extinction. Yeah, I, I have a lot of complaints about that too. I usually I'm usually easygoing and just enjoy what I'm yeah. watching, but I got a, got a lot of problems with these finales lately. <laughs> no, I just think that like if his job is to just kill Daenerys, that's that's his 
That's his big goal in life is to kill is is I guess because like if he was the prince who was promised, maybe he would have killed the Night King or he would have killed Danny before she could have killed everyone else, you know, turned King's Landing into a pile of rubble because the, the bad part was all done. Like whatever she did after this was not going to compare to what she already did in episode five. So the prince who was promised prophecy is too late at this point. And now he's and we're about to close out the series, but. That just seems like they I, – I wish, based on from the time I started watching the show until tonight, that they would have invested more time into that. Into that. Um, I, I'm, I am going to – I don't read books. I, just, I only read my own writing and others. I am going to – maybe audiobooks. <laughs> and others. Well, other people who write. Besides me, <laughs> regardless of the logic, so that's so that's everyone that's right. right. I only read my own writing and everyone else's, but mainly mine. <laughs> I really don't like to read other people. Um, I'm going to read the book because I I am anxious to see how George. You mumbled over that. You're going to read all these books. You're saying, yeah, I'm, I'm going to start. You're telling our listeners that you're going to read all these books. Yes. Now I wanted to see how the show did it, but I have more faith in George. And as what a sexual deviant twisted SOB, but I have more faith in him <laughs> to bring this story to a better close that is more fitting than than Harry and Lloyd. It's fair. It's fair, dog. <laughs> it, it's just infuriating that like this is supposed to be the central theme, and yeah, he killed Danny, which was which was important to do in this story, but it was it was too late, and then he just and let's let's close. Now John is at the wall. And the prince who was promised, yeah, I guess. So if you look back on it, his resume says he tried to be different, and he united uh, the Night's Watch and the Wildlings. I don't think that qualifies as the prince who was promised. That just sounds like uh, an open-minded leader. He put his faith in Danny, and they, you know, together all defeated the Night King. But big props to Arya, who who really sealed the deal. Bran did nothing there, and in fact. I'm sorry, getting my other complaint about the show, that if Bran is going to end up being the, the – who's sitting on the well, – he's not sitting on the Iron Throne. He's sitting on his wheelchair. But spend more time with Bran and show us what he's doing all this time. Oh, I'll go find out where Drogon is. <laughs> there goes our king. We don't know what he's doing now. We, we, we know what Pod's doing. He's rolling around and hitting that new broth that, that Bran is building. It's it's there's, that's why I want to read the books, and that's not something that we would have ever said six or seven years ago because we had faith in the show, and I after this season, am just extremely disappointed with the ending of the show. The one highlight, the and this is the last thing I'll say before I give it back to you. Thank goodness, John got to embrace Ghost at the end of this show, or I would have thrown something at that TV because. Based on the relationship that he has with Ghost, we were all upset with their farewell, and I'm not going to dwell too much on it. But based on the the, the two that the, the characters, Ghost and John, and, and yes, Ghost is a character. They're supposed to be like brothers, almost like best friends, brothers who like rely on each other. And the show took Ghost out for for three seasons, and then like John was like, all right, he white fang Ghost, and told him to go with Torment. Like, thank God he embraced him at the end. Otherwise, I would have been like. Why we even send him there? Like it's 
let you drop the mic. You can you get yourself worked up. I know. I I, I do wonder after all the the fear. I don't know, like if they're for sure done. Filming and like when they're done filming, but it almost did seem like they added that scene with Ghost because they got roasted so hard on previous episodes of not having John. <laughs> Imagine, and like, we, need, we need some, we need Tormund back. Get him off the hotels.com ad. Yeah, we need Tormund, Giants Bane for one more scene to grin as Ghost. Poor earless Ghost, man. You can get some donations from the ASPCA, man. Um, but yeah, just closing it out here. We basically, it kind of finishes, it closes out with the three Starks, right? The three main remaining Stark, I guess two Starks and a Targaryen with Jon, Sansa, and Arya. And they kind of have that parallel storylines or like filming of them like walking through their next challenge or whatever. I think Jon, I think he'll be the happiest of anywhere just getting away from politics and living in the woods. Arya, it's weird. It's like, oh, I'm going to be an explorer. And then usually exploration leads to... Colonization, which hurts the people that are living there, and then Sansa wanted to We're be queen. West, are you? Why did you come? Sansa. We're gonna build an Adolf's hotel somewhere west of Westeros. Yeah. Sansa wanted to be queen. Uh, now she's queen of the north. It was cool that they embraced her the same as they did at Rob and John, and and now Sansa. And I think she's gonna be a great ruler. But that's the only like warm fuzzy feeling you get as these people close out their storylines. Yeah. Um, so like overall. You know, I think it was kind of a lame ending to the show. I thought the beginning was strong, and then once Daenerys got killed, it was just like, let's wrap it up and just close it out. And it kind of totally removed any suspense or intrigue. It was just like, let's close out this series. So that, like, the rest of the episode was very underwhelming, like you started the show off by saying. I think... Seeing Daenerys's fall and seeing her mindset, because remember last episode when she was, they did it anonymously. They didn't show Daenerys, right? It was just like this anonymous drone aerial strike raining down fire upon the common people. So we didn't really know, like, was she mad? Is this part of her strategy? We kind of were all assuming. And while I'm sure she like was feeling lots of feelings like everyone else during those during that attack. This episode made it seem more to me like it was a calculated power grab and she became drunk on her own power and all that. But it wasn't like she went crazy. It was just like, we've said it before, but right. um, that made me feel better about last episode, honestly, because it was like, a closer logical sequence of a tragic fall. Now, I think the genocide was a bit too much and too far of a leap to fully grab from what we knew of Daenerys, but the Liberator talk, the Fate talk, the Destiny talk, you know, her smile talking to Jon, it was just like very much a tragedy, like this hero that is going to fall and doesn't see it. So I thought, I, it made me like that. So I think like while this episode was very underwhelming, the previous two um, starting with Masande's episode and then last week, the burning of King's Landing. I think I'm going to look back on those two episodes more fondly and probably the two strongest episodes of the season. And I thought, just to piggyback, her looking at the Iron Throne and touching it and, and never, never sitting. sitting on it yeah. was a, that was kind of a cool. That's good. But I me mean, reflecting on the whole show, that the show that I have watched through and through, through, and through. At, least, at least 10 times. And that, like, you look forward to every Sunday. It's sad that it's coming to an end, but I don't know. I can't keep dwelling on it, but it's it's just kind of a, a, a ending to a show that we've put so many hours in, and and that we all look forward to seeing like 
even if we didn't like what Danny did in the last episode, right? And everyone was, was shocked and appalled and seeing how it ended, it's, it's lackadaisical and we know who to blame and we're going to continue to harp on it. But I'll always look back at maybe the, the high points of the show is these like epic battles, the cool politicking. You know, with Tyrion and Varys, I know that's like your favorite part. And well, Peter, I think once Peter got out of the show, it kind of took a stark, sharp decline. Yeah, it was out of like these these political blindsides and marrying people off because there's just less characters to do it. So, I mean, they ended it and they ended it abruptly. And it's I'm looking forward to the spinoffs. As you know, I'm just disappointed that they they, they the directors are more focused on the Star Wars spinoff as opposed to finishing the show that they're going to be known for for the rest of their lives. Quickly, as opposed to the right way, and I'm I am curious to see how George ends his book. Is it is it really similar? Is there just shades of similarity, or is it does he do things in a different way? I think it's a fair point to close out our show. This is our last maybe JC and the Bull episode. Unless you guys want a Survivor podcast, let us know. We'll do Survivor. We got some great shows out there now. Shy best show on TV. Chernobyl looks good. Um, Watchmen looked badass. It looked interesting. I was I was more intrigued this uh, preview. Survivors heating up with different takes. Boston Rob, I let let me let me finish with some questions for you oh, God. from your buddy Peter from Houston. These will be our final questions oh, that we'll answer on this show. Okay, a boy has no friends in Houston. <laughs> Here we go. These are questions he wrote in a couple weeks ago, being like, here are my remaining questions about the show. So we're going to answer them now that the show is completed, though. And let's see if they actually got addressed or not. Let's see if the questions make sense. Probably not. Grammar, (laughs) struggle. Grammar, logic. (laughs) Is Dorne's army still waiting for those ships? Yeah, they're still waiting. (laughs) They just just ushered the Prince of Dorne for his debut and finale and for this episode. But yeah, I think that those those Dornish ships were like... They could have been brought in as as they went to make strike on King's Landing and Cersei, but it never became a factor. They never brought Dorne back into the fold. They also never told us what happened to uh, Oberyn's lover, who was trapped under the... I mean, we can obviously assume she's dead, but Alaria, never to be seen from or heard from again. Interesting. Interesting. Will winter go away now and or what is the larger message about climate change? You could tackle right. this one. Yeah, winter was still going on as, as when Drogon was covered in snow. Um, not sure climate change is a big issue, but it, you know, it's seasons. There just happen to be like 10-year seasons as opposed to like we, we have is like three, three and a half months. But now he's talking about like, so like the Night King and winter is coming is like a stand-in for climate change. It's like we have to deal with this existential threat before we care about politics. And now that the Night King's gone... Did Arya solve climate change? And what is a dagger to the heart of the Night King? What's the equivalent of that in our society? Uh, we don't know. No answer. No. Pass. Um, does the Nice Watch disband or does Sam have to go back there? We kind of saw Sam it. Sam is the Grand Maester. Yeah. Grand but Maester. They sent John out there. There's really yeah, nothing. There's, there's a whole Night Watch in there. And guess the ironic twist is they're full of wildlings, which when John first brought the wildlings in, it was an unheard of thing. So John kind of got what he had pushed for and got killed for in the end, and now he's leading them just as he would have, you know, four or five seasons ago, which is kind of a, an interesting wrinkle. Yeah. And will there be any reckoning for the Glovers who refused the call who the twice? Hell? Who the hell? <laughs> to my dying day, I did not stand for Jon Snow, but I'll never let him down. 
Until he needs me for the battle for the living of the dead. Screw this, I'm going <laughs> home. You know, the Glovers are gone. Where and rightfully so. And whoever cared about the Glovers... Oh, goodbye. Right. Who, who cares about the damn Glovers? Our listeners. Except for Danny Glover. He is a fantastic <laughs> Danny actor. Glover. Great lead in uh, Lethal Weapon. Well, thank you for listening all these years. We have a great audience. You never let me down. We appreciate everyone who supported us, who blindly listened to us, who interact with us and asked us where the podcast was. Very kind. Earlier, who ever ever supported, who ever joined the podcast, um, sober or not. um, It's special. It's special to have a group of people who... I don't want to say follow is the right word, but but kind of put their faith in us to tell the story of how we all felt about this series. It's beautiful. Thank You're you. a wordsmith. Well, that's why I don't read other people's writings. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the goat myself. Beautiful. Self-anointed. All JC right. in the bolt. Thank you for the, for the final episode. Until next Game of Thrones. <laughs> what? <laughs>